should have. I have the verses for next month. Would you like to get those now? Thank you guys for taking care of that here. Our verses are uh, Thanksgiving month, right? So uh, hope and Thanksgiving go together, at least in Lamentations chapter 3, because we learn about great God's great faithfulness, and then uh, how the Lord is my portion, he says in verse 24, saith my soul, and uh, because he is, we can hope in him, and uh, great truth there. So we got three verses because we only had one last this past month. So there you go. So let's go ahead and we'll say the verses together and then we'll uh, look into Titus chapter 2 here. Lamentations 3, 22 through 24. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul, therefore will I hope in him. And uh, I'm thankful that he is our portion and uh, meets our needs. So there you go. You got three verses to challenge you this next month, and you got them a few days early. So no excuses, right? We're going to get them down. And uh, you already are familiar, I think, with the first two, at least somewhat. Uh, the wonderful song I love to sing great is thy faithfulness is uh, based out of that I know it came from that and so uh, so there you go to be able to work on that this month Titus chapter 2 hopefully you're there by now let's pray ask God to help us tonight Lord we are uh, needy people we need your grace we need your mercy we need your your word to impact our lives to help us uh, think through truth. We need you, you to um, open our eyes, to give us understanding of the wonderful truth you have given in your word. And so help us as we look at Titus 2. Thank you for uh, this book that the church needs. And I pray that our understanding would be uh, clear tonight and that I'd say what should be said and that you'd use it to help us be more like Jesus Christ. And we'll thank you, Lord, for your help. And pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Aristides was a Christian apologist. If you don't know what that means, it doesn't mean he goes and apologizes to people. An apologist was someone who defended Christianity. And so in his defense, he wrote to the Roman emperor Anton Antoninus Augustus Pius. And he was defending Christianity, and he spoke about Greek philosophy, about Jews, and about Christians. Here's what he wrote. But the Christians, O king, while they went about and made search, have found the truth. And as we learn from their writings, they have come nearer to truth and genuine knowledge than the rest of the nations. For they know and trust in God, the creator of heaven and of earth, in whom and from whom are all things, to whom there is no other God as companion, from whom they received commandments, which they engraved upon their minds and observe in hope and expectation of the world which is to come. And if there is among them any that is poor and needy, and if they have no spare food, they fast two or three days in order to supply to the needy their lack of food. 
They observed the precepts of their Messiah with much care, living justly and soberly as the Lord their God commanded them. Every morning and every hour they give thanks and praise to God for his loving kindnesses toward them. What a testimony he was able to write. And a testament he was as a defender of Christianity to a Roman emperor. And to be able to say, this is what you can observe and see from these people. Their lives have been changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. For who else would ever, who else would ever fast so they can give someone else food? Who else would ever make sacrifices? Well, maybe a mother might, maybe a father might. But who would do that for a, a fellow human being? Very few. And yet in Christianity, this was something he could point to because their lives had been changed. Their faith had made a difference in their lives. And I ask the question tonight, has your faith made such a difference in you? When Paul wrote to Titus here about his responsibility to ordain elders and set in order the things that were lacking in the church in Crete, he spent a lot of time instructing Titus to teach people about godly living. We find that at the start of chapter 2, where we're at right now in our study. And he's going to share with them a number of things. Uh, this uh, uh, instruction uh, was at least followed and accepted by these Christians as this apologist was able to write about these qualities that are found, actually, a number of them in Titus chapter 2, uh, verses 1 to 10. And actually... It's kind of interesting. A great portion of the rest of the book of Titus is about how Christians are to conduct themselves. So follow along. As I, I start in verse 1, we'll read maybe 9 or 10 verses or so. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, and patience. The aged women, likewise, that they be in behaviors, becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded, in all things showing thyself a pattern of good works, in doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters and to please them well in all things, not answering again, not purloining, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things." He's not going to stop talking about Christian living and how it should impact your life. But in these 10 verses, uh, Paul takes time to help Titus help the church. And so we understand this is not just something for a young pastor to know. This is what he was supposed to teach and what God's people are supposed to know. And to me, I always find it a great blessing when I can come to a passage, maybe even a passage, in fact, a lot of times a passage I've preached before and, and a book maybe that we've been through, and it's always a blessing to be able to see a passage either in a new light or maybe even for the first time in its really intended light. Um, I've always approached Titus chapter 2. In fact, we've preached on it before. Uh, but I approached it kind of from putting a church in order in a list of instructions. And 
there's a list of instructions. So we're not denying that there's a list of instructions found here, but I haven't necessarily seen this passage as it really is intended. You see, it's a vital lesson about an important subject. Now, again, I say, and I argue that it's not wrong to say, here's a list of things that God wants us to do. Here's a list of things that a Christian should do. But it's not just a list. There's a reason why Paul told Titus to do this. There's a great reason for teaching people these specific things and virtues that they need to work on. And the reason, I'm glad you asked the question, they're all part of sound doctrine. Look again at the words of verse 1. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. So that what he's sharing is not just a list of do's and don'ts, actually mostly do's, but this is what sound doctrine is all about. What we find as we look closely at the first verse is that actually the first verse Speak the things which become sound doctrine. Point us back, but speak the things. So point us back to the verses that precede it. And then it actually continues on all the way through, uh, actually to verse 12 of chapter 3. Because those things all become sound doctrine. And if we miss that, we really miss the kind of, the, well, you want to know the truth, the great thrust of the book of Titus. The book of Titus is about Christians learning sound doctrine and the importance of it in your life. In fact, I put as the title for the outline, The Desperate Need for Sound Doctrine. And I wanted to make it sound desperate. Doesn't desperate sound like desperate? Like, you know, it just makes you feel like this is really needy. But there is a great and a desperate, 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 desperate need for, for sound doctrine. Uh, in the church and in the lives of Christians. And I'm thankful that that, um, that, that was kind of made clear as I, um, as I looked at the passage and, and saw more, maybe a little bit more clearly. That's why it's good when you come through the second time or the third time preaching through a book because it just continues to open your mind to truth. Um, three important questions will be answered from the text as we take time to explore. Why, why is sound doctrine so desperately needed. Who is sound doctrine for? And that's not all that. You know, it doesn't take a rocket, rocket scientist to figure that one out. And then what is sound doctrine? Many modern-day preachers are abandoning doctrine. Doctrine is dry and boring. There's nothing dry and boring about the first 10 verses of Titus chapter 2. Nothing at all. It's all about your daily life. Um, one well-known evangelical pe preacher said he avoids doctrine, supposedly for the reason because it's dry and boring. Um, but this young pastor was told that sound doctrine is not dry, it's not boring, it's not useless, but it's absolutely essential and practical, and that that is the job of a pastor. So I tell you this. I don't care how popular the preacher is, if a preacher ever tells you, well, we don't preach a lot of doctrine here because we don't want to bore people, they are not a good pastor and they are not a biblical preacher because that is what a pastor is supposed to do according to this very passage itself.
All right, so let's ask the question, why is sound doctrine needed? We're going to answer some questions, and obviously you can see that from the outline. So why is sound doctrine needed? Roman numeral one. Yes, I'm sorry, but, but I haven't been doing a good job of giving the outline, so I'm going to make sure we get the points. I've, a couple of times now here, I know it haven't been clear. So let's, all right, why is sound doctrine needed? First of all, we find in verses 10 to 16 of chapter 1 a very important reason why sound doctrine is needed. Notice that word again, but speak thou the things. Why did he come out in chapter 2 and start it by saying, and by the way, it wasn't a chapter anyway, it was just a, a letter that was written to Titus. Why is he coming along in this letter and saying, but speak thou the things? Because what's taught is predicated on what has been written previous to that. And if you'll note, and if you remember what we preached on, go back to verse 10. Paul said, there are many unruly and vain talkers, deceivers, especially those of circumcision. And verse 11 says, their mouths need to be stopped. They subvert whole houses. They teach things which they ought not. And they're doing it because they're greedy. One of them, and, and he goes on and talks about those things. But, but get this, all right? Why was sound doctrine supposed to be spoken? Because, I'll tell you something. And sound doctrine helps people stand firm for truth and do that which is right. It protects people. So you can put it down uh, this way. It's to protect from deception. To protect from de deception. A pastor needs to hold fast the faithful word as he has been taught so he might be able with sound doctrine to implore or call near and convince those who contradict doctrines that have been taught um, that have been taught. Look, if you would, in verse 9. Holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by, you see this again? This is why I say this really is a key word in the book of Titus. By what? Okay, so look. Pastor is to know the word of God. A man you're supposed to choose is supposed to know the word of God and know the doctrines of God so that he can, by sound doctrine, deal with false teachers. Chapter 2 and verse 1. Sound doctrine is needed by God's people. Why? Because it's going to protect people, but speak thou the things that become sound doctrine. Because there's a lot of false teachers out there, and they need to be put in their place, and Christians need to know what they believe. So it protects from dis deception. Um, and by the way, it was, uh, it was Cretan believers who were tripping up fellow Cretans, according to verse uh, 12. Um, and Paul quoted a poet of the day and described the characteristics of the people of Crete, which is interesting. And I told you something. I, I said, boy, that's a real funny statement. I always thought that was funny in verse 12, what he wrote. Well, he said, one of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said, the Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. This witness is true. I've always thought that was rather humorous. But here's what was going on. The Cretans were... Typically, lying people. Not all of them, but that was a characteristic they were known by. That's really encouraging, isn't it? They're just a bunch of liars. And then not only that, but then he said they were ferocious, destructive savages. Savages. They're evil beasts. They're like, they're like raving beasts. You got to watch out for them. They'll destroy people. And then he said, what's slow bellies? I thought that was good. Um, they were lazy gluttons. Those aren't good characteristics, by the way. No wonder he said teach sound doctrine because these people were teaching and encouraging things that weren't helpful at all because 
They were folks that would, well, they'd lie to you if they needed to. They would, they would hurt and take advantage of people, and they were just lazy people and gluttons as well. Paul agreed with that assessment, by the way, and he called on Titus to rebuke them. These people are teaching false doctrine. These te- people that were like that and get back on the path that it was, was right. And so sound doctrine protects from deception. Look, if you would, in chapter 2 as we continue. Uh, as we go through that list, all right, that we said, look at verse 5, if you would, to be discreet, talking about, by the way, the young women in verse 4, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands. Why? All right, that the word of God, I saw some of you were, you were, you were saying it softly, I could hardly hear you, but the word, that the word of God be not blasphemed. So let's put it this way, to keep the word from defamation. We find another reason because, that we need sound doctrine is that our actions, get this, reflect either positively or negatively on the Bible. Now specifically, in, verse, in that verse we just read, that's verse 4 or 5, right? Help me out with it because I, I don't have it in front of me. What? Okay. So in that verse, um, what is the context in which it's, it's written? What, what's going on? Okay, teaching the young women? Where did he, was he talking about? As we get to the end of the verse where he talks about this... Um, the effect that people are having on the word of God. What's that? Okay, that the word of God be not blasphemed. It's dealing with, though, what, what right previously to that? I'm not trying to, it's not, this is not a trick question, but maybe it's not. In the home. Okay? In the home. Here was the idea, and, and this was true in a lot of Jewish homes, well, not just Jewish homes at the beginning, but we're talking about in Christianity in general. Um, a wife might be saved, a husband might be saved. And, and they would have a home uh, that Paul actually had to deal with, the matter of marriage and, and the situations going on in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 because they had, they had a mixed marriage in this sense. One was a believer, one was an unbeliever. And so what he writes about here, if we wanted to be real true to the context, is this. The young women, when they live sound doctrine... They are being a good testimony for the word of God. Now, we can broaden the application um, because, quite frankly, the truth is our lives as well reflect upon the word of God and what people think about the word of God. And so, though the application was specifically for these young women, the fact is the way all men live either leads the word of God to being reviled or being received. In fact, that's what has been mentioned numerous times. I think it was mentioned in Sunday school as well in First Peter. Why are we supposed to have a, re- a reason for the hope that lies within us? Because people are going to ask. When someone lives right, it's a testimony for the word of God. And it says, this is real. That's what he was saying, by the way, about Christians. His, his argument, his apology written to the Roman emperor was, these people live it. It's real. And that is a testament. It's a testimony. So if you want to keep the word from being defamed, you need to live right. And that's what verse 5 ultimately says. We don't want the word of God to be blasphemed. 
And sound doctrine keeps it from being blasphemed when people follow it. Adam Clark said this, the enemies of the gospel are quick-eyed and spy out imperfections in the professors of religion. If they find women professing Christianity living an irregular life, they won't fail to decry the Christian doctrine. Behold your boasted religion, they'll say. It professes to reform all things, and its very professors are no better than others. Our heathenism is as good as your Christianity. And then he finished, these are cutting reproaches, and much they will have to answer for who give cause for such blasphemy. It's been said, you're the only Bible some people will ever see. I think that could be predicated upon the statement found in verse 5. Look, just understand this, and, and it's so true, and sometimes we can lose sight of this fact, that, that what people think of the Bible is what they see as us living, when they see us living sound doctrine or not living sound doctrine. So to keep the word from defamation. Um, so it protects from deception. It keeps people from blaspheming the Bible. Look at chapter 2 and verse 3. The aged women likewise that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accuser. And he goes on. Look if you would in verse 7. In all things showing thyself what? Pattern of good works. So why is sound doctrine important? Because sound doctrine keeps the word from being defamed or blasphemed. It as well is, um, uh, we are told that it protects from deception. But it also is a good example. You know why the older women were to, to live this? Because if the elder women were going to teach the younger women, they had to live it themselves. You know? Be obedient to your husbands. No, honey, I'm not going to do that. Doesn't, doesn't go together. I, I, I didn't have my lady voice there. But you, you get the idea, right? I mean, you just can't, you can't be doing, I don't have a lady voice anyway. Well, unless I see a spider or a snake or something that I think maybe I would. All right. But, uh, but the, the, nah, let's not go there. Okay. But the, the truth of the matter is, um, You've you got to live it if you expect people to follow it. If you're going to be a good example, um, you've got to learn sound doctrine because sound doctrine is all about being a, a good example. And, and again, he says, in all things showing thyself a pattern of good works. You know what sound doctrine is? Sound doctrine is good works. Aren't these things all good works? You know, um, they are. So to be a good example. Here's another reason. Look at, at verse 8. See, this, this was... Um, it was amazing to start to see all these things laid out for us. Sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. All right, so Titus, teach sound doctrine. Live sound doctrine. Why? Well, because it's a testimony, but you know, it does something else. It defeats accusations. It defeats accusations. Titus was told, live sound doctrine, and it will shame those who accuse you of evil. And it will. Why? Because anything they say could be easily proven wrong when you're living sound doctrine. And, and here's, well, you know the truth, don't you? There are, there are enough preachers that have failed in the ministry that have ruined the testimony of the gospel. 
there are enough there are enough people in what's so-called Christianity that have failed that have ruined the testimony of Christianity and and uh, and given people room to make accusations and God says look when you live sound doctrine you defeat accusations you silence critics you know look your neighbor may not like you because you're a Christian they may they may despise you because you're a Christian but don't give them something to talk about. That's the idea. It defeats accusations. It, it gives, it, it just, if you would, silences the opponents, not from saying those things, but actually silences their effectiveness because there's nothing that sticks. And that's what's found in this passage. He says, look, sound speech, Timothy, li live sound doctrine, and sound speech is part of that. That cannot be condemned. So those that are of the contrary part, those who are opposed to the gospel, they may be ashamed. They won't have anything that they can say against you. What a testimony. Uh, there's a, another reason. Um, look, if you would, in verse 10. Talking to servants now, he says, not purloining. That's an interesting word. We'll talk about it maybe later on. But showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. Now, what is he doing here? Well, he's telling, he's telling servants in verse 9 to do specific things, which are sound doctrine. These things that are sound doctrine, you know what they do? This is, I, I love it. I love putting it this way. They make God's doctrine beautiful. They do. That when I live sound doctrine out in my life, I'm making God's truth, God's word, a beautiful thing. I am adorning it. I make God's doctrine beautiful. In the last few verses of sound doctrine for daily living, Titus addresses slaves and he says, here's what sound doctrine means and here's why you should live it because it adorns the doctrine of God our Savior. Um, by the way, Notice what it said in verse 10. We could skip this or miss it, but they may adorn the doctrine of next three words. God, our Savior. There's not two people there. God, who is our Savior. Jesus is God. A, a great reference to the deity of Jesus Christ. That was free. It was like a golden nugget there in the, in the passage. But he took time to tell us that. But he says, look, you adorn the doctrine of God when you live your faith. Um, it's uh, really, it's, it's kind of a, a picture um, of someone that decks themselves out for another. What does a bride do on her wedding day? Okay, she spends like months trying to find the right dress. It's got to be the right dress. It's got to be the perfect dress. We, we got to go, you know, we got to shop like six different times and we got to find the perfect wedding dress. Now, now, I understand that today is more of a production than everything and there's a real problem with that, but there used to be a day when the bride did that because she wanted to look her best for, not for the people that were all going to be at the wedding. She wanted to look her best for her so that when he's standing up there and he sees her, he says, Whoa! 
getting the best thing in the world. I don't know how lucky I am. And she would adorn herself. And the whole purpose and the, and the main purpose was not, I, I want other people to look and see how beautiful I am. I want my husband to, to, to see that. I want my husband to think that. You know, what a treasure I'm getting when a Christian lives their faith before those who are their authorities. They give those who observe their actions. They adorn. They're wearing a beautiful dress, if you would. They're, they're decked out. So that when people see it, truth is they're not going to say, whoa, that guy is okay. But they're going to say by their actions, that guy has something. And I want to know what it is. It's a, they won't ever word it this way, but it's a beautiful thing to see when someone's life has changed. Um, so how well have you dressed up your faith? Isn't that a, that, that's really a, an interesting picture. No, don't go around wearing a, a dress, all right? But gentlemen... But how well have you adorned and pictured your faith? Does it does your faith look ugh to a to a lost world and to those in authority and those you are under, or does it look like a beautiful thing? That's a great question because you're adorning when you follow sound doctrine, uh, God's doctrine in a beautiful way, um, and. You know those last three points, let me just say this real quickly, another golden nugget here. Remind us that people are watching. Whether it's a boss at work, whether it's an unsaved husband or, or wife, um, people are watching. Whether it's critics who want to destroy Christianity. Remember, at home, at work, in the marketplace, don't give people a reason to walk away from Christianity or use your testimony to reproach God's word. I don't know if you've ever ever done it before, but I have, and I've had to, you know, think through things and be careful about it. But, you know, sometimes when you, like, argue over the price of something, you don't adorn the doctrine of God very beautifully. And sometimes we need to remember that it'd be better to lose some money. Say, well, it's a principle thing. It'd be better to lose some money and have a right testimony than ruin your testimony and have more money. Do you know what I'm saying by that? And sometimes we, we defend acting unchristian sometimes with people under the pretense, well, they're cheating me, they're not doing me right. And God says, look, understand that the way you live is speaking volumes about your God. Did you know that? Tomorrow, you will be speaking about your God in the places you go. The restaurants you go to, the, um, the, the stores you, you frequent, uh, the gas station where you where you pump gas into your car. These places are all places where you're either adorning the doctrine of God or you're not. And there's a there's a powerful lesson in that. 
Here's another reason why sound doctrine is so important. Because it exhibits verses 11 to 15. Because notice the word, for the grace of God. He's still continuing the thought. You see that? Sound doctrine is the main focus here. It's the important thing. Points back and it says it'll protect you from false doctrine. Then he goes all the way through and he says, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. And what does it do? It teaches us to live sound doctrine ultimately. So it exhibits God's grace. It's not unusual for people to preach about the grace of God beginning in verse 11, but the message is a continuation of thought here. Why was Timothy to speak the things which become sound doctrine? Because these are the things that the grace of God teaches us to do. Actually, it seems kind of interesting because a lot of the Christian living before that is kind of included in what the grace of God teaches us to do. Denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, live soberly, righteously, and justly in this present world. Well, what are those things but the list that's found in verses 1 to 10 for Christians of whatever, whatever, you know, your gender, whatever, your age, whatever you are as a Christian and your position in life. Um, so will you live your faith? A writer told the story of a businessman he knew who lived for himself wholly. He was an unsaved man, and unsaved people live for themselves. This man was confronted with the message of the gospel, and he finally came to the place after numerous times where he heard, he finally came to a place where he trusted Christ. And he said, giving his own testimony about this, he said, I wasn't sure whether anything really happened when I prayed that night to receive Christ as Savior. But the next morning, this gentleman who had trusted the Lord as his Savior was late for his train. In a hurry to make his train to get into work, he bumped into a small boy. The boy had a puzzle in his hands, and the pieces of this puzzle went everywhere on the sidewalk. Normally, this gentleman would have just gone on his way. I'm late to work. If I miss my train, I'll be late. I'm not going to be late. It's important to me to be on time. And so he would have just walked on by. I mean, his life was centered on himself. But instead of rushing on, he, st he stopped. He stooped down. He helped pick up the puzzle as he watched his train move out of the station. A strange thing happened, he said. After he had finished, the little boy looked up at him and said, Mister, are you Jesus? As he shared this testimony, the man said, I realized that moment, at least in some small way, that Christ had truly saved my soul. The grace of God changes people. That's his intent. Sound doctrine is about changing people. It's about helping us understand this is what God wants from us and realizing that that impacts the world around us. There's a lot of reasons to live a godly life. We, we've looked at them in Revelation 2 and 3, haven't we? Seriously, there's, there's a, a day when we're going to stand before God and we're going to be with him and there's rewards to be received for living a godly life. There's judgment that comes if we don't live a godly life. But there's another reason that Titus is, is uh, written about in chapter 2. We need sound doctrine to be taught so we know how to live because how we live 
impacts the world. It says, the grace of God has changed me. I want to give the world and those around me a beautiful picture of God. And there's no better way to do that than to know what sound doctrine is and to follow it. And that is a primary message in the book of Titus that I hope has challenged you as it's challenged me, not to just look at a list and say, oh, look at all these things to do. But say, there's a reason we do those things. And may we understand that completely as we approach the list next time. Father, thank you for your word and for the truth of it. And thank you for uh, these things you've laid out in this chapter to help us see how important sound doctrine is in our lives to know so that we might follow. Because in reality, protecting from false doctrine is vitally important. In reality, there are people who need to see the gospel so they don't have an excuse for not receiving Jesus Christ. And we have an opportunity to give a beautiful picture of the grace of God and what it's done to change us. And may we do that very thing. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord bless you as you live sound doctrine.